Medicaine makes landfall across Greece. What exactly is a Medicaine? It's not an official term, but it's, it's widely used in media and even in uh, the kind of circles of the specialists as well. Understanding where Earth's heat actually goes. I'm kind of imagining an enormous kettle now. <laughs> basically, I can't avoid an ocean-sized kettle. Like, it's going to take a really, really long time, basically, for that to get warm, but you're still having to put an enormous amount of heat energy in. And all change across the UK next week. Tuesday marks the autumn equinox and coincides with, well, the start of real autumn because the weather is about to change significantly. It's Friday the 18th of September and you're listening to Weathersnap from the Met Office. Hello, I'm Claire Nazir and this is Weathersnap, an insider's guide to the week's weather brought to you direct from Met Office HQ. Over the last few days, a deep depression has been brewing across the mid-Mediterranean. It's a potent beast and it's moving towards Greece. For the latest, here's tropical prediction scientist Julian Hemming. Well, this storm, which is uh, known locally as Ianos, has actually just made landfall over Greece. It came ashore over the uh, Greek island of Kefalonia in the early hours of this morning. It's brought some very strong winds and heavy rain as well. And it's moving over mainland Greece, but we expect it to turn south and head maybe back out into the open waters of the Mediterranean, likely to weaken now and then head across the Mediterranean and maybe come ashore again later over somewhere like Libya or Egypt. It's a really deep area of low pressure which has tropical qualities to it as well. Some people are calling it a medicane. Yes that's right, the term medicane has gained some traction over recent years. It's not an official term but it's, it's widely used in media and even in uh, the kind of circles of the specialists as well and uh, basically it describes a storm which develops over the Mediterranean but has some characteristics of a tropical storm, similar to what you might see over the Atlantic, for example. So it has very deep thunderstorms uh, wrapping around the centre. And sometimes, if they get strong enough, they could even exhibit a feature which looks like an eye. It's been 15 years since we started naming storms in terms of Greek letters. I think it was 2005, the last time we had such a prolific hurricane season. And it looks like we're heading this way in 2020. Certainly in September, it's been very active. We've worked our way through the name list very quickly. And the next name in the list will be Wilfred. And that is actually the last name in the list. So after that, we will be moving into the letters of the Greek alphabet. So it looks highly likely we'll be doing that fairly soon. What's the current state of hurricanes and tropical storms sitting across the Atlantic at the moment? We had Hurricane Sally, which made landfall over uh, Alabama a few days ago, brought some extremely heavy rain and storm surge. And a lot of the impacts were actually mostly uh, just over the border in Florida and uh, places like Pensacola, which saw some severe flooding. That's now moved across the eastern part of the states. But the attention is turning now to Hurricane Teddy, which is a major hurricane sitting in the mid-Atlantic. No immediate threat to land, but it's heading in the direction of Bermuda, which is obviously a small territory in the middle of the Atlantic. And in fact, Bermuda had a, a landfall from Hurricane Paulette just a few days ago. So it's possible they may get another close encounter with a hurricane probably early next week. The reason why it's been such an active season, I presume, is sea surface temperature and low wind shear in particular over the last month or so. Any other drivers? 
Yes, those are the two main drivers. There's lots of different uh, things which drive the activity in Atlantic hurricane season. We've had uh, a quite an active West African monsoon, very heavy rains, with a lot of flooding over parts of West Africa. And that's the area where we get the easterly waves, which move out into the Atlantic. And then they are the kind of precursors, the kind of drivers, if you like, for a lot of the Atlantic storms we see. So all these factors have come together to result in a very high number of Atlantic tropical storms this season. Julian Hemming, Tropical Prediction Scientist. Next week on our Mostly Weather podcast, we talk to Dr. Matt Palmer. He recently co-authored a research paper called Heat Stored in the Earth System, Where Does the Energy Go? Calculating the heat gain on Earth, and particularly how much and where the energy is distributed, is fundamental to understanding how this affects warming oceans, atmosphere and land. In fact, the distribution of this heat is significantly biased towards the ocean, as Matt explains. It has a much higher ability to store heat, so it takes a long time. It's a bit like when you're boiling a kettle and the kettle's virtually kind of empty, you can think of that as being analogous to a system that has very little heat capacity. So it warms very quickly, right? It's gonna boil very quickly. Whereas the ocean is an enormous volume of water. I'm kind of imagining an enormous kettle now. <laughs> basically, I can't avoid an ocean-sized kettle. Like it's gonna take a really, really long time basically for that to get warm, but you're still having to put an enormous amount of heat energy in to even raise that amount of water by a small amount. Related to that is there are various ocean circulation patterns and things which are quite good at taking that heat away from the surface, burying it where it's out of contact with the atmosphere. In this paper, Matt and his team quantify the energy imbalance and the rate of accumulation of heat as a primary measure of climate change. Really what the paper tries to do is assess where the excess heat which is being trapped in the Earth system by greenhouse gases where does that go within the climate system? We're very familiar with the surface temperature rise as being our primary metric of global warming, but actually the surface temperature rise is, is kind of a consequence of Earth's energy imbalance. He goes on to discuss the EEI number, or Earth Energy Imbalance number, a critical indicator similar to global temperature that defines the prospects of continued climate change. However, this number considers more than just one parameter, like air temperature or, say, sea level rise. It encompasses many other aspects of heat gain, including the oceans. The EEI number is a simple global warming metric, which is calculated to be 0.8 watts per square metre. Here's Matt again. One of the funny things is it sounds like a really small number, right? 0.8 of something just sounds small. But actually, the Earth's surface is enormous. And when you express it in the amount of energy that's been accumulated in joules, it comes up to a mind-boggling number. So the units are typically of order 10 to 100 zettajoules, and one zettajoule is one followed by 21 zeros joules. So it would take you a long time to write that out. But let's, but let's convert it into something people might understand a bit better. That's the equivalent of every single person on planet Earth boiling 50 kettles continuously. It's also more than 20 times the primary energy consumption of the whole populace of the Earth. It kind of adds up because it's just such a huge surface area. That was Dr Matt Palmer, lead scientist at the Met Office Hadley Centre. The full-length Mostly Weather and fascinating discussion on Earth's energy imbalance will be out on our podcast channel early next week. Now here's Ada McGiven for the weekend weather 
and the weather into next week. High pressure holds firm this weekend. Plenty more warm September sunshine to come for most of us. But as always, there are one or two exceptions. That's because there is an area of low pressure trying to squeeze in towards the south of the UK during Saturday and Sunday. It's not going to make much progress, but it will be enough to, well, tighten up the isobars across southern parts of Britain this weekend. And that means it will be fairly blustery with some keen wind gusts around southern coasts and hills in particular. That'll make it feel cool, but away from the wind in the sunshine, pleasant enough on Saturday afternoon with temperatures reaching the high teens in the north and the low to mid-twenties further south. Now, I mentioned that low to the south of the UK, and it will thicken up the cloud across southwest England and South Wales during Saturday afternoon and into the evening. And that means that there'll also be a few showers drifting in around English Channel coasts, particularly around Cornwall, Devon and Dorset later on Saturday. They'll continue through the night and the first part of Sunday. Elsewhere, clear spells overnight and uh, chill in the air as we start off Sunday. There will be some low cloud as well around some eastern counties of Scotland as well as northeast England. That will tend to drift back to the coast during Sunday, and for the vast majority, it's another sunny day. But in the southwest, we start off with a few showers, perhaps even the odd thundery downpour. They'll tend to largely ease by the end of Sunday, and it's another warm day where we're out of the breeze and in the sunshine. Monday follows suit with plenty more autumn sunshine to come for the vast majority of the UK. But in the far north and northwest of Scotland, the cloud thickens and some heavy rain arrives here. That is the first sign of a change to come. And in fact, Tuesday marks the autumn equinox and coincides with, well, the start of real autumn because the weather is about to change significantly. Some very wet and windy weather to come Tuesday onwards. But let's not focus on that for the time being with a warm, sunny weekend to come for most of us. Before I go, here are your weekly weather extremes from Monday the 7th to Sunday the 13th of September. The highest max occurred on Tuesday in Cavendish in Suffolk with a temperature of 26.1 Celsius. Aboyne in the Highlands recorded the lowest temperature of 0.3 Celsius in the small hours of Thursday morning. The sunniest place was on Sunday in Shoebriness in Essex, clocking up 11.8 hours during the day. And the most rainfall in one day last week was on Sunday, when Achnagart in the Northwest Highlands received 120.2 millimetres. Thanks, Aidan. That's it for Weathersnap. I'm Claire Nazir, and producer is Adrian Holloway. WeatherSnap is a podcast by the UK Met Office.